Now, before Matthew comes to bring us his message today that I know you've been praying about and, and you're, you're coming to share God's word with us, let me pray for thank you. you. Father, thank you that you've been speaking to, to Matthew and thank you that you've made him a humble student of your word. And I pray that you would speak through him this morning into our hearts and our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. I'm going to come over here. I have a bookmark in in 1 Timothy 6, um, today's reading, which says, Never try to flat pack a vicar. I can't remember where I got it from or why I got it, but it's there. Never try to flat pack a vicar. That could be point one, if you like. Well, good morning. It's wonderful to be with you here. And on behalf of Sarah and myself, you know, we just want to thank you for all the welcome and hospitality um, you've given us. And I think we both want to say that, you know, it's not about me. Um, It's about discerning God's will. Um, And in that, I've certainly over the last week been praying for you um, because it's not... It's not just about me being nervous and excited to be here. It's about you having to decide uh, where you believe God is leading you with the, with the next minister of Camborne. So, so be assured of my prayers for you in that. Um, I do have one complaint. Um, and in the format of the letter of Revelation where, you know, it goes to the church is saying, you were great and you followed God, but I have this against you. I have something against the coffee house team. They've added to my weight... I've piled on pounds since last weekend, and I hold Kate and others exclusively responsible for this. Um, But bless you for your welcome. Thank you. Um, Well, this morning we're continuing our journey through the book of 1 Timothy, which is one of the pastoral letters to the church. It speaks directly to the church, in this case, uh, the church in Ephesus, about being the church of God And if you haven't heard the two previous talks in this series from Beth and from Steve, you really should catch up online with them. They're brilliant talks and they'll bring you completely up to date. But before we come to look at chapter 6 and delve into the word together, um, I want to share with you a driving belief of mine as a church leader. Um, It's not my quote, it comes from Bill Hybels of the um, Willow Creek community in the States, Um, but it's something that I believe is foundational to being the church of Christ. And here it is, and it's on the screen for you, the local church is the hope of the world. And and I hope you believe that, Uh, I hope you share in that conviction that actually we are a place of hope and life um, that can radiate God's hope out to the world around us. Why is the local church the hope of the world? Because for empires, civilizations, nations have come and have gone, but the church of God has stood throughout history. One Christian generation passing on that inheritance of faith to another. And there has been no movement uh, like the church which has impacted the world for good in the way that the church has in living out the good news of the gospel. I mention this because in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul is absolutely concerned for the church to be united in faith in Jesus Christ so that it can impact the world for good and the glory of God. Here's a quote that I love. In our current cultural crisis, the most powerful demonstration of the reality of the gospel is a community embodying the life and truth of Jesus. Healthy community is the life of Jesus living in us and through us. 
And this is the concern of Paul, right into Timothy, who was a young leader. And young people, if ever you feel that you don't have a role to play in a church, Timothy was a young person, um, and, and you have a place too. Um, Timothy was being urged um, to unite the Ephesian church around the truth of the gospel and to embody that truth in the way that it leads um, its life and witness to Christ. But the church in Ephesus have discovered that there are no shortage of voices to listen to, each with a competing perspective on truth. These voices suggest alternatives to following Christ and living that life of faith. And with great regularity, these voices will affect our self-esteem and lead us to be unhappy with who we are and make us feel confused in our identity um, as Christian people and they'll lead us away from Christ. And this was happening in Ephesus. In Ephesus, many of these voices were impacting the Ephesian Christians, trying to call them away from Jesus and towards trying to pursue money and wealth at all cost. Here's what St. Paul says to them. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped in many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The spiritual giant for me, uh, one of my favorite spiritual writers, Henri Nouwen, um, whose books are great, you know, you should read them, um, says that the greatest trap that we face is not actually found in success or popularity or wealth, but the greatest trap that we face as Christians is that we don't know who we are as a child of God, that we fail to recognize ourselves as God's children and to know the depths of the Father's love for us. So can I tell you this morning, if you've had the most terrible week, or even if you just had a week that hasn't gone as you, as you hoped for, can I tell you this morning that you are loved beyond all telling by a God who gave his son for you, that you might know the depths of the Father's love for you. You are a child of God. Nowen puts it a lot better than I can. He writes this. Um, to grow beyond self-rejection, we must have the courage to listen to the voice calling us God's beloved sons and daughters and the determination to live our lives according to this truth. Do you remember the time that Jesus spent in the desert following his baptism? Recall how the voice of the devil was there throughout that period, tempting Jesus to do various things which he knew not to be good, not to be of God. But Jesus didn't let the devil have any impact on his life or authority over his choices. Um, He kept true um, to what he knew his father was calling him to do. And just as Jesus is tempted in the desert, so the church in Ephesus is being tempted by influences other than Christ. So Paul urges this young leader, Timothy, to cling on to the gospel and resist these false teachers. If you've still got your Bibles open, um, check out um, Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 to 5. If you haven't got them open, it's 1129. Um, You get there quickly. Um, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. 
They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions and constant friction between peoples of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Can I I just go off on a slight tangent and, and say that, you know, I've only been with you for a short time but can I tell you that your unity is a precious gift of God? You know, the way you've worked it out and come together, you know, treasure it above all. And don't let any quarrels or controversies or malicious words or slander or division among the peoples get in the way of what you have here because that unity is a grace of God at work here in Camborne. And preserve it, please, at all costs. Tangent over. Paul is urging Timothy... Um, to lead the church, to listen to the voice of God and no other. You see, we, like like Jesus, like St. Paul, like Timothy, we have the ability to to decide which voices, which, which influences can impact our life. So I wonder if you are aware of any influences that are impacting your life even as I speak And I wonder what impact these influences are having on your identity as God's child. I remember um, I was leading a Youth Alpha Day. um, And um, this Youth Alpha Day was memorable to me because it was in a shack. And I think that's the most generous way I could describe the structure. In fact, when I looked at it, I felt the need instinctively to do a risk assessment and to think, is this safe to hold a youth alpha day away? It was in the middle of a forest. Um, there weren't even conventional plugs. There were the, if you've been in a caravan, you know those sort of joining up leave things. I'm not a caravan. <laughs> um, that come together and they give you power. It had those. And at several points of the day, they failed categorically um, and completely. Um, so that was why it was memorable. But I was leading a session um, during the day that talked about finding our identity in God against all the other things that influence us. And I said to the young people on that day in the woods, in the shack, in the forest, and it's relevant to us here in Camborne, being who you are, who you were created to be, is the best person that you can be. Can I say that again? Being who you are, being who you were created to be, is the best person that you can be because that's how God created you um, to be. There's a truth in that and take it into your heart and take it into your soul, please, this morning. I don't pretend to know what's going on in, in the lives of some of the young people sitting here today, but I know that school is one of the most challenging places for what we're talking about. So many influences potentially on your life that can pull you in different um, directions and, and try and compete for the way you make choices and the way you, you think about yourself and your life. And some of those can make you feel really low about yourself. Um, and some of them um, can tempt you in ways that aren't of God. And I know it's challenging being a young Christian and trying to be for Christ. So, um, you know, the fact that you're here is just such a blessing. But can I tell you a second truth about your identity? There is no one anywhere in the world who can be a better version of you than you. There is no one anywhere in the world who can be a better version of you than you. 
And I say that because each and every one of you, whether you're young or old, whether you're rich or poor, whichever part of Camborne, lower, upper or great you come from, you have a purpose in being here that no one else can play out because that's part of God's unique design on your life. All of you need to be here and all of you need to be involved in the work of the kingdom because without you there is a jigsaw piece that is missing um, that is unique to you. Paul is urging the church to hold on to who they really are as God's children. Let's check out um, verses 11 and 12 of chapter 6. But as for you, man of God, shun all of this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you have made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is Timothy's life, to fight for all he can be in Jesus Christ. This is the work of the church, to be all that we can be in Christ. Young or old, rich or poor, you know, you know, however you feel, we are to guard our identity as children of the living God. And do you know that once we know who we are in Christ, we can be the most amazing force for Jesus in our communities. Because our desire is no longer driven by the love of money and the pursuit of material possessions, but driven by the desire to serve others in Christ's name and build his kingdom. Let's go back to the scripture now. Verses 18 and 19. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasures of a good foundation for the future, so that they might take hold of the life that is really life. God has an amazing plan and purpose for your life this morning and he wants us to enter into the fullness of that life and that's what Paul is urging Timothy and Timothy's entire church in Ephesus. One final story and then I'll be quiet. Um, This comes from um, the United States and it did the rounds on Facebook and YouTube about five, six months ago. And I know one person has already been home to check out the video, so do that afterwards. You might be familiar with the story. Coronado High School in Texas in the States have a student on their basketball team called Mitchell. He's a student with a developmental condition which causes him to be disabled, but he loves basketball. It's his passion. It's what he lives for in life and always has been. Now, because of his condition, Mitchell can't really perform as well as the other players. So he acts as an assistant to the coach and is there at every game with his parents. Then the coach decided to do something really special for Mitchell. For the last game of the season, Coronato were playing Franklin High School. And the coach had a secret plan up his sleeve to play Mitchell during the game. So Mitchell comes out dressed in his beloved team's jersey. And for Mitchell, that's enough. To simply wear his team strip to be involved in some way is enough for Mitchell. But then in the last 10 minutes, the coach puts Mitchell on the court in the game for real. Not as a token gesture, but as a full part of the team. And his team try and set Mitchell up for a shot at the hoop, but he keeps missing. There's no doubt that Mitchell is costing uh, Coronato the game. But the more important thing is that Mitchell gets to play. Mitchell gets to be a part of the game like everyone else. And then something even more incredible happens. In the dying seconds of the match, 
something, you know, something even more special than Mitchell getting to play happens. The ball goes dead, and Franklin, the opposition team, have the throw in. As the Franklin player looks around for his teammates to throw the ball to, he sees Mitchell standing in open court, unmarked, near the hoop. And, and he decides to throw Mitchell the ball. Mitchell lines up the shot. He shoots and he scores. And the game is over. Do you see what I'm saying? The opposition team member threw Mitchell on the other team the ball because it meant the world to Mitchell. And you know there are moments in our lives which we will treasure forever and I bet that Mitchell will remember that moment for the rest of his life. Do you know there is something deeply countercultural um, that is against the norm about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It demands us to think differently. It demands us to step out of the box. Following Jesus allows Mitchell to have a game, to be set up to score, and not for the sake of winning, but for Mitchell's sake. You see that in winning, um, there is something, but in doing this, in doing something greater than winning, they transformed Mitchell's life. They had a vision of what community could be. And this is Paul's message to the Ephesian church, to be all that it can be in Christ, to seize its identity in the Lord, and to guard that identity as individual Christians and as a church, because that identity is a precious gift of the Lord. Should we just pray for a moment? Come, Holy Spirit. Come and move amongst us. Come and help us to know your presence with us this morning. Reassure us that our identity is found, is locked into you. That we are your children, the beloved sons and daughters of a Father who loves us. And help us to go out from this place to be secure in that identity to not only know your love, but to share it, that we may impact the lives of others for the salvation of this whole community. Amen.